You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one today at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started. Imagine if you could achieve your goals through joy, not stress. Genevieve Pepin, a productivity coach in the business of helping high achievers go from busy and stressed to happy and productive. As a coach in the business of productive play, Genevieve works for professionals. She facilitates fun and impactful virtual experiences. Your people are the most precious asset wherever in the world they may be. Managing teams remotely and keeping them engaged and connected is a major challenge. Research shows less connection, less efficiency, and that affects your bottom line and your quality of life. Information is not the problem, according to Genevieve. Engagement and execution is, and that's where she comes in. Genevieve is the creator of virtual solutions to reach peak performance through human connection in remote environments. Her virtual solutions are designed according to SAFE values, and SAFE is the acronym for S to keep it simple, A to keep it actionable, F to keep it fun, two thumbs up, and E, experiential. Provide a safe place to learn by doing rather than being talked to. Sustainable change requires a sustainable mindset and sustainable solutions from a place of a growth mindset, creativity, innovation, adaptability, facing uncertainty, collaboration, social skills, communication, and hey, flexibility. Let's learn some meaningful information in a fun way from Genevieve Pepin. One thing I've discovered is we both love to laugh and get things done. So tell me, what has made you laugh this month? Oh, wow. Great question. Something that never fails to make me laugh is some good improv. I do improv comedy every week with a group here on the island. So, you know, just the spontaneity of making up scenes and characters and see where that goes is often enough to make me burst out laughing a lot. So yeah, I would say that my weekly dose of laughter, but daily, I laugh at really insignificant things during the day, you know, like the faces of my dogs make me laugh. They're very expressive. So it makes me laugh a lot. Flirting with my husband makes me laugh, you know, so those little things often or just making mistakes make me laugh also. <laughs> I laugh at myself a lot. So yeah. What about you? I love it. Well, last century when I was at law school, to relieve the angst and the marathon, I joined an improv theater group and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And you know what? Secret confession, I think it made me a much better courtroom lawyer and boardroom lawyer because being able to get into a scene or a character or just have some fun just was the way to go. So I have to tell you, over my decades of career, those skills have come through and I would really encourage anyone on their way up into leadership to get on the improv bandwagon. So much fun. And of course, pets are wonderful. I actually have a pet fish. <laughs> I love having pets, but the best I can manage through the pandemic was a fish. So I have a Vader. <laughs> and what I discovered is on those mornings when I feel like just dancing like nobody's watching, he joins in. His name is H2J. 
Hope, Hope, Joy. And he joins in. He's got lovely long ponytails. In fact, he's right behind me, but I'm a bit worried I'll pull his heater out because it's a bit cool on the island today. But I did not realize that Fish had such personality that he's quite sociable and he loves a little music and a bit of funky jumping around. So I think I'm dancing like nobody's watching. Be aware, people. The fish notices. <laughs> yes, H2J is there, but is there to encourage you and be a dance partner. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I discovered living alone. I needed a pet and just decided what was the easiest thing I could just enjoy knowing something else was alive in the house. And I yeah. hadn't had a pet, a pet fish for decades, so... He was a lovely addition and his personality plus just often makes my morning. You know, I sometimes I feed him and, oh, shameful moment, forget he's there. But he's got these lovely long ponytails. So I sometimes put some music on and just get the body moving and having a little fun. And then I turn around and I go, oh, the ponytails are swishing around. And he's making use of his whole tank to little wriggle and giggle along with me. <laughs> So you're, you're in the business of play. What made you pivot into this space, Jen? What made me pivot into play? You know, you would speak to people that knew me 10, 15 years ago, and they would say that, that I always had an easy laugh. But I find that I was not giving myself a lot of permission to play. I was really into the business of making things right and making things the right way and not wasting any time and always having doing something for a purpose. And I didn't mind the suffering. I didn't mind going through hard times. I just wanted to achieve things, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying that I didn't have any hobbies. And uh, while I was through my personal development journey, I had some nudges to do something just for the fun of it, to get back into some creative activities just for the fun of it. And how I define play is doing something just for the pleasure of the process, right? Just like not, not for the outcome, the outcome is a bonus, but really just for the process. And I started allowing myself to do more of that. Should it be some, yeah, creative drawing, doing some calligraphy, Improv, like improv, I love improv for play because the outcome is not <laughs> always there, but the process is fun, playing music and so on. And so as I started to do that for myself, I noticed how much it affected me and it triggered me, first of all. It was very triggering for that perfectionist part of me, for that part of me that wanted to do things right and that doing things just for the sake of it or just to do it with taking a risk was so triggering for me because it was so vulnerable. and doing more of it, it really triggered a lot of those things so that I could deal with them, right? I could deal with being vulnerable and not always being in control. I could deal with not necessarily doing something for a specific outcome and using that I could use, but really just for being in the moment, enjoying the joy in the moment. And because it really helped me be more present, feel more joyful and deal with the many other traits such as perfectionism and the need for control, I started using it in my coaching because I find that, you know, I coach high achievers. So those traits seem often are traits that are found in high achievers. So yeah, so that's how I included some play in what I do. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I must confess that when I'm in meetings, I tend to have colorful pens and I'm extremely creative. So I tend to kind of write around the edges and circle the page and change my, the font of what I'm, how I'm writing and things like yeah. that. So yeah, it's really hard for any assistant to read my notes because they're kind of <laughs> like walking a maze, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's what helped me cope with burning out and with toxic Mm. workplaces as well. And adrenaline can be an addiction along with anxiety and stress. And I think you cite the Anxiety and Depression Association of America saying 40% of professionals are under a persistent haze of stress and excessive anxiety in their work life. Now that may have changed a little bit now that we've got the option to work from home, which was a long time coming, quite frankly. Yeah, so that's a huge loss for businesses when you realize, you know, stress. Yeah, so what has been your experience of that, Jen? Well, first of all, I'm very familiar with stress and anxiety. Those characters I've spent a lot of years of my life living with. And I'm not saying that they never show up, but I can definitely manage them better now. Yeah, so my story in a nutshell is that I burned myself out a few times. I was very passionate in my career and I really wanted to give it my all. And my toolbox was a lot of motivation, a lot of persistence, a lot of doing, 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 doing whatever it takes and really wanting to please people and really wanting to surpass myself and so on, which was all, it's not a bad thing, definitely not a bad thing. What I didn't know at that time is that the driver that I had was a driver of fear of wanting to prove myself and of wanting to prove my worth which created a lot of stress as I was moving toward my goals. And I was creating a lot of overdoing because I found a lot of gratification in the doing instead of really doing what matters. And I find that when I work with managers and when I work with entrepreneurs, those are things that I notice as well. The judgment, the I should be doing more, I should be doing this, right? Which leads to so much anxiety, to so much stress. When we have those thoughts that are always judging us, right? Yeah, so that's my, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. But that's my story around that where at one point I changed, when I first burned myself out, I changed my job. I thought that this was my boss. I had a bad relationship with my boss. I was very toxic, but that was what it was. And then I went to, to another job, which I had a great relationship with my boss. That was great. And then I still burned myself out on that one. And I was like, well, maybe it's where I live. Maybe it's where I live that it's too fast paced. Maybe the pollution. Let's see, I changed country. So I moved from Asia to Europe. And I thought that was, well, you know, this is going to do the trick. This is going to do the trick. It's a completely new environment. And I got a great job. And after a year and a half, I was still coming back home crying. And that's when I realized that I changed everything around me, thinking that everything was causing a lot of stress and anxiety, which a lot of it was. But then I realized that when I changed everything around me and I saw the exact same patterns happening, I had to realize that a lot of it was actually how I was creating situations and how I was creating those patterns from my thoughts and how I was interacting with situations. Yes, I had to come to the realization, where I go, I take myself. (laughs) Well said, exactly. Common denominator. So I love the fact that you pivot into the business of play. And I also appreciate how you use your skills to change the status quo that's translating your hard-earned wisdom as a productivity coach. And also, I'd love for you to speak of the rise of your sort of artsy, authentic self. Wow, my artsy, authentic self. Thank you so much, Michelle. I would say that the rise of our authentic self is really, I love that you call it the rise because for me, it's really about unpeeling all the onion layers on top of it. Often our authentic self, you know, they're there. It's not something we have to find. It's not something outside of us. It's something inside of us. And it's often buried under a lot of layers of here's who I should be. Here's what I should do. Here's how I should be. 
And which is normal, you know, our brain is just really creating beliefs and stories to protect ourselves and to serve us and in order to belong in society and to protect us from potential threats, you know, in our childhood or whatever, whether those threats are really threatening to our safety or not, the brain doesn't make a difference. As long as it's perceived a threat, it's a threat. Absolutely. And often women are working in a man's world. I for myself know that many of my careers, I was one of only a couple of women. So trying to fit in, I made the classic mistake of putting the pants on and getting the job done, being a human doing, which is really where men excel and lost my human being, my creative self. And I have worked very hard to claim that back. And more importantly, it has served me well when I've needed to bust really wicked problems in the business world where I've been handed a project of no possibility of achieving any meritous results. And I have, I've been a very high performer. But what I discovered was I don't like putting my body and my brain under so much stress. I now often share, if you smile, the brain will relax because you can't smile if you're thinking there's a saber-toothed tiger in the boardroom. And also other people's brains relax as well. And you have this great interactive masterclass called Efficiency is Fun. I'd love for you to share about that because you've got some great action steps there. Yes, thank you so much. Well, what we do in the masterclass is that we look at what to focus on because again, the number one thing when I talk about efficiency with leaders and entrepreneurs is to actually like look at what is really useful for you to focus on because often we just focus on too many things. So looking at that, and then we talk about how to plan your time in a way that works for you. Let's face it. We've all read the books. We've all have the tips and tricks to plan our time, but somehow maybe it doesn't work for us or we don't implement them. So we talk about that. And most importantly, we talk about improvising when the plan goes out the window and we use the principle of yes and from improv where we need to accept and build on what's in front of us. So whether it is a conversation with somebody, whether it is our own ideas, whether it is uh, circumstances that are changing and situations that are changing. So how to be adaptable and flexible and be a little bit more like water in order to continue make progress instead of staying stuck. So we do that. It's an experiential masterclass. It's not me teaching a bunch of things and telling people, yeah, now go do it. No, no, like it's really an interactive. We play and we create during the masterclass. So it's quite fun and it's free. So join it. I'll put a link in the show notes because I think that would be a very powerful opportunity to lean in. And often the word but or should are shutdowns, whereas yes, and because expand the conversation. And I think the art of conversation is somewhat lost these days. So I think, yeah, your interactive masterclass efficiency is fun. Everyone's up for a little fun. You also have the connection lab and you offer team building that skyrocket your collaboration and feedback that elevates performance. I really like that idea because collaboration, I actually am very passionate about intergenerational collaboration. As a grandmother of four, I just love connecting up with different age groups in age agnostic projects. And oh, it's so much fun. But also, I appreciate feedback. I appreciate constructive feedback. And I'm not shy about giving feedback, but I do ask permission first. So I think learning to be conversationalists, collaborative, and also being able to give feedback kindly and constructively are very powerful tools. Do you want to speak to your connection lab? Yes, absolutely. I love that you talk about this because it speaks very much to connecting is, well, first of all, connecting with ourselves and cutting with others. It really starts with listening. 
So this is something that we talk about the yes and which the first the yes is all about listening and accepting. So in the workshop that we offer with the Connection Lab project, we take people through experiences where they get to connect within the lab. They can understand themselves better while they're providing feedback. They can understand themselves better in terms of maybe what come up for them, what trigger come up for them. And we use some tools so that they feel better at ease to communicate with people in a way that is a lot smoother than often what we hear, aka like the feedback sandwich or whatever that, I mean, it's not necessarily bad tools, but it's already out there. And we, we really want to bring another perspective to help people understand themselves better and also have a better connection with people that they deal with. Great points, because I mean, let's face it, every day in conversations, people say, what did you think when I, how could I, like people are asking for feedback and being able to cultivate a strong relationship through quality feedback that yes. is helping people rise is so powerful. But I'll have a link to all of your options and your Thank social you. channels as well. But I want to circle back to your dog, because I think <laughs> you've got a fun story that about your dog. I would love for you to just wrap us up with a fun story. Hold on. If I have a fun story about my dog, I need to think. Do you have one in mind? <laughs> when we first met, yeah. you were mentioning that, you know, there is the power and presence of a dog. And I think mm. that is a powerful observation. And you have a new, fairly new dog in your life, I think, don't you? I have. Well, my dogs, they've been with me for the last five years. And I would say that what I love about dogs is, first of all, I think they're hilarious because they are the most honest souls ever. And for sure, they are one of my connection ports. When I talk about connection ports, it's something that helps you recharge, something that helps you be present. And I find that a pet, I'm really into dogs. So, you know, it can be any pet, but I find that dogs are, for me, my favorite. Just, you know, a dog snuggle or playing fetch or just playing tickles. Right? Just yeah. Yes. You want to look at a dog, they are comfortable anyway. They go, I'm tired, and they just curl up. They're very relaxed. But yeah, there's such power and presence. And I love your words, a connection port, a place to be present and to recharge. And certainly, when I've heard you speak about having the power and presence of dogs, that's something that definitely comes to mind. You know, one thing, dogs live right in the present and the opportunity to self-witness is so powerful as well. So Jen, any last words as we wrap up for my global audience? Yes, I would say that, you know, you talk a lot to leaders and I would say that in order to lead others, we need to lead ourselves first. And in order to lead others, we would say often that connection is very important. Getting to know other people that we lead is very important. And it also applies to self-leadership. We're connecting with ourselves and being able to know ourselves. And I personally believe that play is a great way to do that. And so I would definitely encourage people to find what play can you include in your life, whether it is only for fun and it doesn't need to be like Monopoly. And it can be, as you said, like adding more colors to your notes or doing something that brings you joy, doing something that you do for you for the process of it, not necessarily for a specific aim and lean into this and go little by little. And so that as you get to know yourself better, you're better able to lead yourself and also better able to lead others. I appreciate you. I really do, Jen. And I love the fact that we're going to encourage global leaders to pivot into play. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Michelle, for bringing those conversations to life. It was a pleasure for me to be here.
Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections. Thank you.